Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Rafael Nadal is out early by his standards uh, at Madrid. He lost to Alexander Zverev in the quarterfinals. Otherwise, we would probably not be recording today, and we'd wait until the the Nadal result is in. But now that it's in, uh, we are good to go. And the Rome draw came out just hours ago, so we'll hit on that. Um, Novak Djokovic back in action in Rome next week. Uh, So let's start with uh, this straight set loss that Nadal suffered to Zverev. It's now three straight losses to Alexander Zverev for Rafa after winning the first five of their head-to-head. So I want to just start by asking about that matchup. It's becoming almost a, a problem for, for Nadal in some ways. What do you see in that, Amy? I don't think it's much of a problem. The focus is really the slams, as we've said, for our three at this point. That said, we know that the Madrid conditions and surface is a little bit different than the other clay court surfaces. So in some ways, I think it's kind of an outlier. The thing that I noticed about the match and and Gil, I kind of, you got me thinking on this train of thought about how you had a coach that said disrupt the, the other person's contact point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rafa didn't do that against Zverev in this match. His uh, Zverev's strike zone, his his contact point was exactly where Rafa was hitting it. So he was basically not disrupting and making Zverev very comfortable. And after the match, Rafa said that everything kind of hinged on Zverev's serve, which we know that he has struggled with double faults. And um, he just didn't really. His serve was on and uh, he served very well for the match. And that made the difference. Yeah, there, there are a couple things there. Joel, did you want to jump in? Yeah, well, Zverev looked very comfortable in that match. I mean, he was, again, I think uh, Amy was talking about the contact point. And again, Madrid, just over 2,000 feet. So, but Zverev, pretty tall. And he just seemed really well-grooved. So, yeah, he didn't quite seem as, uh, as hindered by anything Nadal was throwing at him. Nadal a little frustrated at times, a little more than usual. So, um, that, was, that was surprising. But again, Zverev has played well against Nadal. Of course, as we look towards Paris, we all see because then we all think about, you know, Nadal, best of five. Uh, yeah. Format. Yeah. Well, well, here's what I think is important about in, in regards to the matchup itself. The two previous losses came on indoor hard court and Madrid is an outdoor tournament. But look at the architecture of that place. It's closed off. And um, what I I wrote on Twitter, just because you open the sunroof doesn't mean you're driving a convertible. And that works in a couple of ways in in Madrid. Yes, you have the altitude, um, but we've seen servers uh, have so much success this week and really historically because uh, I don't think there's any wind in there. I think the conditions are completely serene. And then you think about, well, not only does Zverev and his unbelievably high toss enjoy those indoor conditions he always double faults less inside 
But also, if you look at Nadal, well, uh, he's been great on all surfaces. The only conditions that have actually really put a dent into his win percentage is when you put a roof on the place indoors. So we talk about all of these things working against him with Madrid. And uh, I would have to side with you, Amy, that I don't think that this loss is, oh no, like Nadal can't figure out the Zverev puzzle because I think all three were sort of indoor conditions. Now, keeping in mind, I think Rafa has won Madrid five times, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, you know, it's funny that you said that because Isner, who does well at Madrid and did well this week, uh, said that he really likes the conditions there and he loves the sound, the pop. It's it's almost like an indoor echoey kind of thing. And it, it almost puts fear into his opponents. Um, so you're right. It does play like a quasi indoor situation. Right. So that minimizes Nadal's asset because if you went, let's say the complete across the spectrum and you say like playing Nadal on a windy day outdoors is great for Nadal. So in other words, Nadal's, Nadal's, some of his superpowers are blunted when he goes in this quasi indoor. And so a guy like Sasha or an Isner is going to feel more, more comfortable. Yeah. And, again, and you, you guys play indoors a lot more than me. So you're a lot more familiar with that feeling and sound when you're playing indoors of comfort and the auditory feel. And you just get kind of in this, in this groove that's very different than when you're outdoors mm -hmm. and exposed to the elements and, and all the other factors. So, uh, Fianna, that's a great effort for, for Zverev. I mean, beating Adal on clay is always going to be a, a great accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Not, and not to take anything away from Zverev to, to say that the conditions help him, you know, that's not, not to say that he didn't put in a, an incredible performance. But uh, I, I agree with you, Joel, that it's really less so. There are factors with Nadal, but I want to kind of get into that more so if if someone were to ask you why is Nadal worse indoors you would you might say well he's not worse his opponents are better is that mm -hmm. kind of what I'm getting yes mm -hmm. see I think the point it's not it's that Nadal's assets are are not as present and the, the opponent yeah you're right the opponents feel more comfortable the opponents are less subject it's not that Nadal is worse it's just that his his stuff does better I mean it makes you think of maybe baseball with certain pitchers let's say pitching in Colorado you know, yeah. and, and, and the things that are going to affect. So the, the hitters will feel more comfortable. So and you feel, and, and we know, we know tennis is a game, not so much, not just of confidence, but of technical sustainability. And so if you're someone like Sasha Zverev, it's like, wow, I can do this again and again, and I'm getting the, the reinforcements, even at the, even at the highest level where their technique is so good. And, and that really helps. And you could just see from, seeing that match how comfortable he was feeling rally after rally hey then nadal's not it's not hurting me the way it does as much i'm making this good contact and i'm just continually mm -hmm. applying pressure i think playing indoors really spoils you rotten i mean everything is equalized um even the right down to the temperature the bounce is true um and then you get outdoors and i i play indoors a lot because i live in the northeast but you get outdoors and it's like, oh, the sun, the wind, the bugs, stop it, stop it. <laughs> well, we all know that Nadal is pretty much the least spoiled brat person in tennis, right? Like he's, he's just like, no, doesn't bother me. 
going to go. So anyone who is bothered by any kind of outdoor condition would be disadvantaged playing Nadal, typically. Well, that's right. Like I talked about, like the, the, the extreme would be to say the wind, a windy day. And it, it's funny. And I've hardly, I've hardly played indoors. I've enjoyed it, but I find, I find as a recreational player, I like playing outdoors more and I like playing in wind. And I said to a friend once, I said, he said why do you like playing in the wind? I go, because you don't. <laughs> perfect answer <laughs> yeah and so and so i think those stuff is all this gets to the genius of nadal which is attitudinal that's why i think of our three he's the greatest master though nova the greatest master of the intangibles introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mm-hmm. greatest right. mask like bring oh wind yeah okay sure you know a crosswind uh, humidity you know all these things and this is we talked about this in the prior episode about the training from uncle tony yes the attitudinal training yep i was i was gonna uh tease that as well joel because uh one of the one of the anecdotes is that tony made him play on shoddy courts with bad balls just to make sure that Rafa had a good attitude. So check that out if you haven't. We talked about Uncle Tony and uh, Rafa, that relationship on the last episode. I had something to that. I, could, I, I almost have in my mind, you know, we had so much good Tony stuff. I could almost imagine writing a, a theater play of Tony and young Rafa. And you could just see like a situation like the wind and Rafa walking on Tony says, who do you think you are that you're superior to the wind and nature? You can just imagine <laughs> the Tony lines of dialogue. Why should you think you're superior to nature, what nature has brought us today? Deal with it, deal with it. And so again, and so then to bring it back to Madrid, oh, these external factors aren't as present. It's like what Amy said, it's, it's kind of, let's get right back to the, <clears throat> the, the hermetically, this hermetically sealed box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's our little thing on, uh, we did, we did uh, why is Nadal not as good indoors? See, we didn't think we were gonna go there, but I'm telling you, Madrid, I mean, I'm just, you look at the architecture, you look at the results, it, it really is consistent with uh, an indoor tournament. But if I want to zoom in on, on Nadal's performance specifically, what stood out to me, and it does go back to what you were saying about the contact point, Amy, but for me, it was especially present on Nadal's first serve points, and he won 62%. Zverev, you know, his serve is always going to be big. That's, that's a constant. So I thought it was interesting that Nadal said, well, it was about Zverev's serve because I, I didn't think Zverev's serve was so untouchably outstanding. I just thought Nadal's serve, on the contrary, wasn't. And mm-hmm. when Zverev was landing his returns, Nadal didn't have that death grip that he normally has when, when you let him hit three forehands in a row on clay, you're normally dead. And that's it. Uh, that, that's your death sentence. 
But in this match, Zverev was neutralizing rather easily because Nadal's forehand was not being hit close enough to the lines with enough confidence, with enough conviction or, or depth. Um, and there was no first strike tennis. Whenever the return was in play, Zverev got back to neutral. Mm-hmm. The commentators made mention that the depth was not there on his forehand, that it, they were landing, you know, a little bit past the service line. So, you know, something to watch, but he, he, he is the master of making adjustments to things like spin, depth, uh, ball height, you know, the, the width of the court. Uh, he'll figure it out. What would it take for you to be concerned about Nadal heading into Roland Garros? Anything? Is it possible? No, because, again, I've done the research on the different seasons that he's had where he's just torn through the clay season and won everything and, and then gone on to win or won very little and had a terrible clay season and gone on to win. So I just don't I don't get concerned. But his terrible, a, a, a terrible clay season for him has always been, except for last fall, at least winning a tournament. So, it's yes. not, so yes. that's like yes. a baseball hitter. Yeah, but he's, he's gone out early in others where he's won, you know, Barcelona or whatever. He may have gone out early in another and everybody's always shocked. And, and then he just goes on to win Roland Garros. He's already won his tournament also. He won. Yes. Both. Yes. I think the deep concern, the deep concern would be an injury. And an injury, no tournament titles, less than five matches played. That would become a yellow, a yellow warning, you know, a, a yellow light. That would become the, that would become if if that if that happens. Let's see. I think Nadal will he be like will be about fifty two years old when that happens. Um, when that happens, then I think hmm, that would be kind of interesting. That's like otherwise that like again his his pre he's always to use baseball again, he's always hit at least 300 prior to Roland Garros. And then at Roland Garros, he ends up hitting, you know, 360. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the con- that, that would be the concern for me. That would be the factors that would add up to a concern about less than five matches played, no tournament titles, and injury. So he's already cleared that bar. Um, I-, I will, I'll say this. I will be concerned if the serve doesn't start to look better at some point, because I thought even when he won Barcelona, the serve was not good. And he just, he just won the tournament in spite of it. And once again, the serve was a problem here. And I'm just, it, the, the, the clock is, is ticking a little bit for me. It's not, it hasn't even close to struck midnight yet. Uh, but in Monte Carlo with the, the Rublev match, the serve was really, really bad and it's gotten better, but I was kind of waiting for it to just that problem to just go away. And it, it hasn't yet, which has surprised me. So that would be my answer. Fair. Fair, Fair. enough. Okay. Fair enough. And, and let's look at second serve points one, because that's where he typically dominates. So uh, it's gotta be down this clay season. Yeah. Again, the, the first serve points one was 62%. That's where his second serve points one is, uh, is sometimes, yeah. right, Amy? I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> it would be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see every three years, let's say, the, some of the other guys who do well on clay and see their playing styles. And you see the emergence of increasing amounts of power, increasing amounts of flat ball hitting, 
serving. I mean, you look at people like Zverev and Kertsev and, and the way and you would compare them to, let's say you go, let's say we went back 15 years to Nalbandian and, and then Burdick and other players who were, who were contenders in the, in the clay season. And you see how the styles get better and better. And you see how much the three have raised the bar and said, okay, this is the type, these are the tools you need if you're to topple us. And you see the physical, the increased physicality, the height. I mean, plenty of players now over six foot four. I mean, so then this contact point stuff starts to alter a little bit. Uh, very interesting. Yep. Casper Ruud, Matteo Berrettini, just massive racket head acceleration oh. on their forehand, just like oh. Nadal. Um, right. I mean, so yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure we'll talk about that more uh, in the future, but let's get to this Rome draw. Novak Djokovic is is returning to the courts in Rome and second round match because he's got a buy in the first round could be a rematch against Dan Evans, the man who beat him in Monte Carlo with his uh, patented backhand slice, which he for the most part hit cross court. So uh, I'd be excited to, to see that again. And then by the way, the highest seed in Djokovic's quarter is Stefano Tsitsipas, who is probably the second best player on clay right now after Nadal and Novak has a chance going off results at the very least. And Novak has a chance to uh, have a crack at Tsitsipas, which should be a pretty good barometer because Rome, unlike Madrid tends to show us what to expect in Paris a little bit more. Dan Evans. I want to ask about that Dan Evans round two, and I understand it might not happen. Taylor Fritz is his uh, first round opponent. So uh, that that's a match that is by no means a, a shoe in for Evans. Uh, but if, if Dan is going to do that again and cross court slice, cross court slice, every time he gets a backhand, what should Novak do? Well, Novak against a guy like Evans, I think a lot of that revolves around attacking, eventually getting to net, um, you know, cause the, the person who's doing that slice, it's, it's a clever play. It's a, it's a, I know, cause I, I know how to do that too. It's a disruptive Thing. You get him missing, you get into his conscious little. I think Novak needs to um, come to net more and say, okay, pass me. And, and then maybe go and then maybe redirect the rally, hit his backhand down the line and say, okay, Dan, now go cross court with your forehand. And just, you know, Novak was a little, uh, little stuck in the clay in Monte Carlo. Didn't it look that way? Like he was a little like uh, early match and not a lot of confidence and, and balance. yeah, not a lot of competitive uh, fortitude. As, as he usually shows, you know, not quite, not quite as sharp as off as he usually is. I just thought that the way this draw shook out was interesting. So you got Novak at the top and you got Rafa at the bottom and in their quarters are some of the hottest players right now. Um, like I think Novak has Berrettini and Basilis Vili in his quarter. I mean, these guys are, playing great on clay right now and then the the big names who traditionally play well on clay like schwartzman or um gofan um they're in the middle so and then rafa got i think casper rude in his quarter and sinner and zverev so um if i'm right about this so it's interesting how the the rankings lag behind who is hot right now and the toughest quarters are Novak's and Rafa's. Well, the rankings, you know, we're going to spend a while. It's going to take a while for these rankings, given how they've been structured amid the pandemic. 
for things to yes. reflect. It's kind of like a, a market evaluation or a correct, not a correction. So this is the ranking system, but it's it's a it's a carry. It's a, it's a long time carry, unlike prior years. But in a way, from from the lower ranked player standpoint, it's kind of oh intriguing. It's like I know I'm playing well. I know I'm actually playing at number. I'm actually should be six, but the ranking shows I'm 14, and they're trying to keep. But for the three, for the great players, I don't think it means really much at all. Like, I don't think Novak is thinking, oh, I got to look ahead and there's Sitsipas and he's playing well. And so he gets it, but I think it's like the task in front of me. And, and it's kind of actually almost a, a good thing for Novak that he may play the guy. I get to now play the guy who beat me recently. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's barometer, good prep. Yeah, I mean, for the barometer, slams. The barometer yet again, the barometer yet again of like, here I am. Oh yeah, this guy, this guy got me a few weeks ago. Now I get him again. There I am. Let's let's deal with them. And again, it's again Fritz and Evans. That's pretty much a pick 'em. I don't I don't heavily favor either in that match. But and remember, Fritz was the guy who extended Novak to five sets in Australia. So that's that's a long time ago, and it's a different surface. But uh, I think what we want to see, I think we'd all like to see Evans and Novak play one another again. But the other stuff down the road in a draw, particularly if you're a, a top player like a a Novak, Rafa, Roger, Rod Laver, they, 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 they they're just looking at the, the next match in front of them. Yeah, but uh, that's true. But, you know, Nadal may have to play Zverev again in the quarters. I mean, great. Yeah. That's good. I think yeah, that's it's good. good. It's good, but he better win. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah. Uh... You know that's, that's good too. So, but again, I don't think Nadal is even thinking that he might no, play. No, probably not. Probably, we're thinking that. We as fans are thinking that. Well, but you know, I, I think again, I have my whole, um, this, this draw casting stuff is, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's so, so next Friday. Well, well, first of all, I think, I think Joel is right. You want to play the player who just beat you. You, you, you want him again. This is true in, in combat sports. After you get knocked out, you go to the promoter and you say, give me a rematch. You know, that, that was, uh-huh. they got, they got lucky. Right. So that's kind of, there's not as. No, no tennis players are saying the other guy got lucky, but uh, you get the point. You, you want to play him again. So I think it's good that Zverev is in Nadal's quarter. I think it's good that Djokovic could have another shot at Dan Evans. And, you know, I think you'd expect Novak to just be in a better place for that rematch. But where I will disagree is I think um, I don't think it matters if Novak is uh, is looking ahead to a guy like Nicholas Basilashvili, right? It's just that he Basilashvili is someone who uh, is super dangerous right now yes. with, with the way yes. he plays. So, so I don't is Berrettini. Oh, Berrettini. Berrettini might be tired though. It's interesting that those two guys have to play each other in the first round. They both won recently. Yeah. Well, that speaks to the whole kind of how would you call it ranking congestion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to see if, if Berrettini, cause he's got his hometown tournament next week and he's in the Madrid semifinals is it almost like a look ahead spot? Like, is, is it hard to focus on kind of running through the, trying to run through the finish line at Madrid when you have what's really the biggest tournament on your calendar coming up in a couple of days? I think I would tell my coaches, don't even tell me who I play in that tournament. I'm going to turn off social media. I'm, I don't even, I don't even want to know. Yeah. But I think if he does, I think he does know, I, I don't think, it, I don't think it's, if, if it's hard, then it's kind of like it shouldn't be hard. It's just you just go. 
deal with a match. I mean, the blinders that exist, even if you know that you're going to be playing this guy on Tuesday, it's like, okay, I've got a match in front of me. And it's so, you know, semis, Madrid, big match. Uh, Berrettini's been around for a while. God, what, a, what an impressive player he is when he's playing well. And you see, again, as we were saying, the bar raised by the three has said, this is how you need to play if you want to win in the 2020s. I mean, this is, these are the type of tools you need to bring. I mean, we're talking some major racket head speed going on here. Yeah, his game has looked so big all week in the in the altitude and with the clay court bounce. It's just been this uh, amazing combination. Uh, we're also going to get Team and Zverev today recording before the semifinals in um, in Madrid. Uh, let's see. So Djokovic, yeah, we could get a potential Djokovic Tsitsipas in the quarters and a potential uh, Nadal Zverev in the quarters. That's what would happen if the seeds hold. Um, the last one that we haven't hit on is uh, Sinner Nadal. And then we'll, we'll wrap up because that we thought we'd get that in Madrid and uh center lost to Alexi Popper and an Australian who's so dangerous when, when he's landing the balls in in the court, because he's got so much firepower, but uh, they're going to, they're going to give that another try. The draw gods are going to attempt to make that again. If center can get through uh Hugo Umber, we could see that again. That's a, uh, that's a matchup that I don't know if we talked about it prior to Madrid, but something that, that people will look forward to. Well, Sinner and Sinner, of course, is the, the young, the prospect. He got to the quarters of Roland Garros last fall. And uh, I think, though, he's getting used to what it means to be a big-time pro player. I mean, playing lots of matches, going from city to city, dealing with pressure and expectation. Uh, all of that is kind of uh, in factor in his life. It's a little bit, I just, I, the person who came to mind also is a Coco Goff. You know, it's kind of like the, the precocious uh, next great thing and doing this also amid the pandemic and these stresses. So it's going to be interesting to see how Sinner continues to evolve. I mean, he's great. He's fantastic. But again, he's had a lot. Of, this is a big new world for him. And this will be his hometown. Not maybe not. I don't know if he's from Rome, but his home country tournament. So and, and you're playing Nadal potentially. Uh, although. Umber is, uh, he's been playing, he's, he's had some good wins too. So let's not put the cart before the horse, but uh, yeah, if, if that matchup does happen, we'll see what this young guy's made of. It's amazing. Nadal plays Alcaraz in Spain and then center in Italy in the second round. It's kind of uh, he's like facing those, uh, those young phenoms in their home countries twice in a row. Uh, so we'll look forward to that following Rome, wrapping up Madrid. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. Definitely subscribe on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. And if you're watching on YouTube, like the video, comment, subscribe there as well. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.